and welcome to episode 186 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. It's just Hank and Craig today. Let's get started. So we're going to talk about books today. And before we get started, I was curious, uh, anything that you've been reading lately? Yeah, I've actually slowed down my reading this year, which is a shame. Last year, I, I think I reached my goal of, I can't remember if it was 12 books or 24 books in a year. I think it might nice. have been 12. So I read one mm. a month. Um, basically, this year I've slowed right down. I think I set my goal for 24 <laughs> and have read like four or something. Uh, nice. But yeah, I, so I have four books on the go at any one time. Um, I'm reading mm. Martin Luther's biography, uh, Here I Stand, I think it is, by Roland Bainton. That's probably the slowest one, to be honest, just because of the way it's written. It's a great biography. It's What's quite, it? it's uh, quite the Martin dry. Luther biography? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That those um, were two different called, books, but gotcha. I think it's called Here I Stand. Mm. Anyway, Roland Bainton is the author, and he's it's very thorough, but it's also just dry, I find, mm-hmm. um, in the mm. way it's written. Uh, and I'm reading, my wife and I are reading Lord of the Rings together. So we're like, you know, partway through the first book of that. Um, nice. But that was something that we did more, or we were able to do more of. I guess we found time to do more of when she was feeding the baby a lot more. Now that he's mm. kind of not having that as much, we tend to do other things with our time. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then I'm also reading a uh, couple of other uh, books. One is called The Great Hunt, which is a second Wheel of Time book. And oh, nice. the last one is uh, one of the Puritan paperbacks called uh, The Crook in the Lot which mm. is about mm. um, God's sovereignty in and through difficult times that, or difficult circumstances that don't necessarily seem to be movable in our lives. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and that yes. one's probably the one I'm reading most actively, but it's also, like, written in quite old language. I mean, it's not, like, too, like, the and thou intensive, but it's just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the Puritans just wrote in a different style. <laughs> it's yeah. quite yeah. sort of clunky, so, um, to me, like, it, to, you know, the modern reader, so it's... Yeah, it takes it, it takes a while to get through, but the content's really good. So makes sense. Did you find um like so just while she was breastfeeding, that's when you guys read together? Yeah, basically. We started it with our first um child and we read through all of the uh Narnia books because I'd never read them. I'd only ever I grew up watching the BBC um miniseries version of Narnia. Mm-hmm. Um and she was like, No, I love these books as a kid. So we read all those so that I could say that I'd read them. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. before that, mm-hmm. we read C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy because I'd never read that before either, and I was more interested mm-hmm. in that than reading Narnia. And mm-hmm. then we went on to, with our second uh, kid, we went on to Andy uh, Wilson's um, 100 Cupboards Trilogy, which also has like a prequel that's quite short. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, 100 Cupboards, uh, something or other else. Uh, Dandelion Fire and The Chestnut King are the three main books. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was that was really interesting. It was good to read something completely different in this sort of children's fantasy world. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we read predominantly children's books when she's breastfeeding. Maybe it's just because like we're in that <laughs> zone of doing stuff that has you know kids in mind. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. What are you reading yeah. at the moment? Um, I am only. I think that's true. Oh no, I'm reading two things. I'm reading two things at the moment. Um, and do you know Mistborn? You know, I've Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, yeah. I know who he is. Um, yeah. so, so like five years ago, I read the first trilogy um, and then he had written a second set uh, that was still Mistborn. It's just like set 500 years later uh, and I just never read him, but um, I'm now in the third one and mm-hmm. really enjoying it. It's uh, cool. more like 
little bit more Western than, um, than fantasy. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. His idea is going to be, uh, a fantasy trilogy, then a Western trilogy, and then like a sci-fi trilogy, all kind of set in the same universe with the events relating to each other. But Wow, it sounds a, like I should really get into that because I'm a big Back to the Future fan and that kind of covers all all three bases. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess there's not really fantasy in Back to the Future though. Yeah. No, there's not. That's true. Although mm. I, I guess there's fantastical elements. There's some sort of stuff that you can't, that's hard to explain, but yeah, it's mainly sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It's, there's there no is that Western era. Strange so. creatures. What's that? I said there is a Western era in Back to the Future. So. There is a Western era and a, and sci-fi features pretty heavily. Yeah, mm. okay. Maybe it's not a good blend of all three. Never mind. It's close enough. <laughs> I've yeah, been told good. by other people I would enjoy it. Calvinist yeah, Batman was telling me at one stage that I'd really like Sanderson if I like well, I like the Wheel of Time, and um, mm-hmm. from and Sanderson wrote the last few books of that mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. after Robert Jordan died. So, mm-hmm. I'm yeah, keen to get really there and see what they're like. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if I would like the the Western aspect. I'm always a fantasy reader, but um, but it's just because I knew the author and the series, and I've really mm-hmm. been enjoying it. But um, mm-hmm. so that's my fantasy reading, or I guess Western. But anyway, fiction. Um, mm-hmm. And I um, just read a chapter of Platt's Counterculture, reading that for one of my classes. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I don't know too much about that one yet, um, but just finished reading a book that was like the five five of Plato's shorter dialogues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, that was really interesting. But, um, a lot cool. easier to read than I would have expected, and a lot more fun to read. Kind of told the story, and uh, they're really, really entertaining for a book that's like, over 2000 years old. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, so anyway, so I said, we're talking about books and thought it'd be fun just to check or to just to see what, um, you're reading. Um, but the, the article, I should, I should qualify oh, that as well by saying none of those, are um, digital books. Oh, the ones you're reading. Yeah. They're all paper. I do have, uh, the wheel of time book on audiobook, which I sometimes, uh, switch to in the car or when I'm falling asleep at night or something. But yeah, mm. in general, I prefer reading paper books to eBooks. Mm. Interesting. All of mine are digital. If I have to get one physical, I'm like, ah, fine, I'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, um, yeah, so that's related, uh, thinking of digital books and, uh, Amazon who really made digital books, popular i would say i don't know how true that is but (laughs) feels like it to me at least um anyway so tim challies wrote an article about a month ago and he titled it the power over christian publishing we've given to amazon Mm -hmm. and so in this article he talks about how he's worried that uh amazon is becoming the gatekeeper of christian publishing Mm -hmm. um and so really in that, you know, like all the Christians, uh, he sees, um, at least the ones he's talked to and he ha- he surveyed his readers one time quite a few years back and found that 55% mostly bought through Amazon. Uh, but I'm sure that's up now cause that was like 10 years ago. I can't remember. I saw the article date, but, um, <laughs> anyway, so it was a long time ago. And so it's probably up from now and his fear, the one he expresses in this article is that pretty soon uh, some of the Christian books, the like especially from you know good people, good solid evangelical authors um, writing on hot topics of today, so maybe Platt's counterculture uh, that I just mentioned, um, 
But anyone specifically, he references, he thinks the first ones that will cause issues are those on homosexuality and uh, gender, um, that they will be removed from the Amazon stores. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says, uh, we cannot demand of non-Christians that they violate their conscience conscience to sell materials they consider repugnant. Mm -hmm. And they're just saying that, you know, if they consider it, uh, if they consider those books, as he says, repugnant, then likely they will begin to remove them, and that will probably be the first. But in the future, more and more, he would expect uh, that to happen. Yep. And so his big question is, when will this start happening, and what will happen to those uh, Bible-focused, Bible-centered books that um, that the Christians really need to read? And will will people be able be willing to publish them if Amazon won't host them, and that's where most people go to buy their books? Mm. And uh, will people really even be able to find them if if they're going to Amazon for everything? Uh, they just won't even see them there is what he was saying. So, yeah, what do you think? Uh, specifically about what? <laughs> uh, just do you think that that's going to be an issue? Do you see yeah, like well, what he's pointing I out? S- I can certainly see Amazon making a move to remove things from their store that are contrary to the culture's preferred ideology at the moment which Mm -hmm. i mean sexuality is a bit of a no-brainer in terms of that being the first thing to go um Mm -hmm. because it is the most hot button topic um Mm -hmm. that is still i guess strongly held by conservatives and and also strongly fought by uh liberals if you know what i mean like by the progressive movement so um it's still such a hotbed of of activity that i could yeah i can certainly see Amazon thinking it's in their best interest to be seen to be taking a stand in the form of removing anything they consider to be hate speech or, you know, whatever word they want to use for it, contrary to their uh, values or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I can see that happening. Yeah, it's a little different than, uh, I mean, last week um, I wasn't there, but um, you all, you were there, yeah? Yeah, I think it was just me and David. Just you and David. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you all talked about, um, I guess, a similar but different in that the idea of what if Apple starts promoting a cause, um, whereas this one is kind of the reverse in what if Amazon starts demoting a cause, maybe. Yeah. Um, in in demoting Christianity, which I guess that would be promoting uh, the other the other side of the cause, but um, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, seemed, obviously okay. they're not going to get rid of all Christian books because that would I, I wouldn't think they would mm-hmm. do that because mm-hmm. that would just hurt their business. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but certainly, yeah, ones that are explicitly about that subject, yeah, I, I think that's probably fair to say. Mm. Yeah, that, I mean. Yeah, I guess that I was I was thinking that it's possible for sure. Um, and yeah, if you point out that it's just the ones maybe that they would consider hate speech type type books, mm-hmm. um, that makes sense. But I was thinking it would be harder for them to just get rid of a whole chunk of their readership um, because while while promoting a topic may not cause enough people to boycott and um, and and leave their their loyalty. I would think pulling out, um, yeah, demoting and removing uh, people's access to certain to certain products. I mean, it doesn't really remove their access, and and saying you have no possible way of reading this, just you can't get it through us. But I would think that would cause a much bigger wave that would 
at least have some reflection on their on their profits. Mm. Yeah, um, he mentioned the publishers. Um, he mentioned the publishers might not be willing to publish books though if um, if Amazon wouldn't be willing to um, publish, wouldn't be well willing to sell them. Uh, uh, yeah. Do you think that would be an issue at all? Well, I see, this is where it gets into, I just don't know the, how it all works. <laughs> like, I don't mm-hmm. know what the, mm-hmm. what each publisher's revenue is from selling through Amazon versus selling through brick and mortar stores. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, like obviously it's probably similar to the difference between digital and, and hard copy books, but um yeah, I, I just don't, potentially, I mean, if it's, a, if it's a big enough segment of the market for them, then they might say, well, if, you know, if we can't uh, earn a return on this because it's just not going to be sold in like our primary um, medium these days, then we've got to make a, a business decision that's right. Um, you would, I guess you would hope that there would be publishers, publishers who'd be willing to say, we're going to make a loss on this book and that's fine um, mm-hmm. because we'd need the material to be out there and we'll find mm-hmm. some other way of getting it out there. Uh, mm. whether or not someone sets up a Christian Amazon, like, you know, <laughs> whether more Christian online bookstores start, stop, start propping, um, cropping up, which I know, you know, David's talking about his idea, which is, you know, specific types of writings from, um, you know, a certain era of church history or whatever, like s- certainly older books rather than more modern books, uh, but mm-hmm. making that content available, maybe there'll just be more of those, uh, mm-hmm. types mm-hmm. of projects that, uh, sort of a, a middleman between publisher and uh, consumer. But I guess this is one of the reasons that I, you know, in, in looking at it, I, I, I'll i be honest, I own, maybe I own uh, 10, 15 that I can think of uh, digital books through the iBooks app on my iPad. Uh, mm. I rarely finish reading one start to finish. I've read a few that mm. way, but it's not my preferred, mm. like I said. Um and I own a bunch in Olive Tree actually that I've like added into my Olive Tree library um, over the years, mm-hmm. some commentaries and some uh, just books. Um, but if I'm in the market for a Christian book, the the main place I go is uh, the actual Christian bookstore in my town. <laughs> and that might oh, sound right. really yeah. old school and not technical. Sometimes I, I buy it online through their website. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I tend to go there and purchase what I want rather than going to Amazon. Um, and, and the only the only time I go to Amazon is basically if they don't if they don't stock it uh, where I go, then I'll I'll look at Amazon or Book Depository. Um, and I think I actually prefer Book Depository because it's free shipping even to Australia. Whereas I think Amazon maybe charges for shipping to Australia. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'd have to check. I'd have to check on that. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, I don't know. I just think, you know, in a way, there's still a problem there for me because I'm pretty sure I know where the. um, I I think I know sort of the 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 theology of the people behind the bookstore that I visit isn't necessarily theology that I would subscribe to. You know what I mean? Like they're from Mm -hmm. a completely Mm -hmm. different denomination and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact is, they're stocking. books from the reformed uh, tradition, you know, books that I am interested in reading. And so, um, you know, it's kind of like what we talked about last week, I guess, where to a point I'm willing to, to put, to give them my money because I want the product and what they then do with that money. I assume most, you know, a lot of that money goes back into the business. Um, 
so I, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't have a huge issue with the fact that theologically we don't agree with everything. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with everything that they agree with or whatever. And I don't know how you ever could, cause not everyone personally knows their bookstore owner. I don't know them personally either. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. that from what I gather, you know, they, they'd stock a lot of the sort of, um, Pentecostal word of faith. So that's often the stuff that's out the front of the store, um, mm-hmm. on the, you know, cause that's what sells, I guess. <laughs> Joel Osteen's smiling teeth. <laughs> Someone should buy his teeth. Because <laughs> that's what the tooth that would, does. That would though. be really creepy. You can wave your back back now. <laughs> Look at this guy. He has my teeth. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I went to uh, just talking about bookstores that don't agree with, with you. And uh, that's that's obviously a, uh, not as severe a case. But we, my wife and I went on vacation to um, just... Uh, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, for those mm-hmm. out there who do know it. Um, but anyway, it's it's like a quiet little place. Um, but the town was started, apparently, this is what we heard, um, by like there was a spring that people would go swim in and it supposedly would feel better. And so they started like advertising it. Hey, come swim in our spring and feel better and all your cares will go away. And so a lot of that mindset is in the town, a lot of like new agey kind of uh, concepts, um, mm-hmm. probably just because of one of the reasons being how it started. But we went yep. in a bookstore and um, just as I looked at the books, some of them were normal books. Um, there was a, they were lacking in the fantasy section, sadly, but there was like a good kid <laughs> section or anything. But any like nonfiction area, I couldn't help but think of what, think David Latchett, one said uh which is like um you shouldn't buy from i i try not to buy from stores that hate me <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just everything there was uh if against christianity <laughs> i mean it wasn't always blatant but um there was just kind of the general trend of things that um usually non-christians uh usually christians don't agree with those were all there and any there was like a religious section that was about all sorts of stuff. But the only thing that had Jesus in it was like the Islamic Jesus and stuff like that. Yeah. So know, this, a, this story makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> there's a bookstore that I, that is in the um, town that we're about to go to on our upcoming holiday. And it's the same kind of thing, like a really good bookstore, fantastic children's section. You go to the like religion and spirituality section and it's like, crystals and it's like all all these like buddhism like all these other religions you can find and i, I think I, last time i could find one there was one christian book i think um but it mm, wasn't one that mm. i would read <laughs> mm, so i was mm-hmm. like oh man <laughs> yeah but it is nice going into there's like a small publishing store small publisher here uh, called grace and truth i think is what it's called um and they're just like five miles away Mm-hmm. And we went to just to check them out, and really, it's just their garage. <laughs> like these people's garage just is filled with books, and they said most of their retail is done online. But that was a really cool experience because almost every book, I was like, "Man, I'd read that. I want to read that." <laughs> and I just mm-hmm. I don't have time to read all of these, but so many um, excellent books there. It was even like no Joel Olstein books, you know, none of the. Not a mix of like, oh, I would not want to read this one. Oh, this one looks great. There's just all books that look really solid. Um, so that was yeah. a cool experience. But um, anyway, yeah, that that's the um, that's the main suggestion that um, Charlie's has is um, 
you know, even if some of these publishers, these local publishers cost a little bit more than Amazon, um, Mm -hmm. then, and, and there are definitely Christian bookstores online, um, that will likely not have everything that one agrees with, but I know like Lifeway, the Southern Baptist, um, uh, bookstore chain uh, they closed all of their stores just this year but they still have their online store um yeah and i'm sure there's other ones out there too and so he says even if you have to pay a little bit more then maybe it's it maybe it's still worth it to actually pay for these stores and support them um just to start move trying to move that power that we've given to amazon yeah um, well uh, just looking at um uh, I am looking, I'm doing a live, uh, Google search. <laughs> um, one, I'm looking at the difference between, uh, buying a, a children's book through Crossway, the publishing uh, house, mm. their website. Uh, they list this particular book as 1299. Uh, and then Amazon lists the same book for $18.88, uh, <laughs> with $3 shipping. So, uh, I don't know what the shipping would be through, uh, Crossway, What's the book? But it, if you can tell uh, it's a children's book. I just picked oh. the first book I clicked on Crossway's website, which was Sophie and the Heidelberg Cat. Sophie and like, the like Meow Cat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no <laughs> idea if it's a good book or not, but uh, yeah, you know, point being, it actually doesn't necessarily look any cheaper on Amazon anyway. Uh, mm. I know that's mm-hmm. a bigger Crossway, a pretty big publisher, but um, yeah, I, I've I think pretty sure I've bought. Um, stuff directly from maybe Banner of Truth in the past, or at least I've thought about doing that. Um, you know, there are certainly publishers out there who have, you can, they, you can buy their stuff through their own website rather than having to go through some third-party store like mm-hmm. Amazon anyway. Mm-hmm. So I can certainly see a good reason for just switching. Uh, you know, I think Ligonier does that. I think there's uh, Canon Press with Doug Wilson. Like there's, there would be a bunch that that would cover a fair spectrum of, um, the sort of theology that you know, reform Christianity, uh, just mm. through publishing house websites. So I don't mm. see Amazon in that way as like being uh, entirely necessary, um, mm. because mm. even 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 if they were to say, well, we'll lose a chunk of our sales of this book, if they can still sell it through their own website, and if they can still sell a digital version, then you you would hope that the people who are looking for that just start looking there instead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I would think too. That um, that I think one the publishers have more incentive than just um, than just money. Um, mm-hmm. At least the good ones will. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, as you said, that they will be they'll be searching for ways to get good books out. Um, and I think the people reading those kind of books, and this is again just an assumption, but. Um, I mean, at least from my buying habits, I don't really use Amazon's recommendations or Amazon's top 10 list or any of that to buy the books that I buy. And so if I want to buy a book and it's not on Amazon, I'm just going to be, okay, I'll go over here. Um, And I I feel like the kind of books that Charlie's is talking about are more likely going to be sold to the kind of people who are looking looking for a book on the topic that they can trust and they're going to be able to trust it from what they hear from other people. Mm-hmm. And so if a name like Kevin DeYoung, who Charlie said, maybe Kevin DeYoung or Rosaria Butterfield's book will get removed. 
um, those are names that will be well known enough. I think that people will still trust. Oh, like, Hey, this guy wrote a book. Let's go find it. And Oh, it's not on Amazon. Okay. Let's go somewhere else. Yeah. So I think maybe it's a little bit, um, taking it too far. Alarmist. Out of, yeah. Too alarmist. <laughs> That's good. Um, but I do still think, and you know, this is something that we talk about fairly regularly on the show, just that idea of how more can we support um, these companies, not just taking the most convenience that our culture just kind of, well, convenience naturally kind of brings us down the path to how can we go just a tiny bit out of our way and mm. maybe get the same thing or even better if we just kind of looked um, and support yep. companies who don't hate us or are for us, even if they're not <laughs> neutral. <laughs> and I don't yeah. think, I, I actually think, I don't know, It's this is a minor thing, but looking at it as companies who hate us isn't even, I think, accurate. I think companies mm. often probably don't even have a huge stake in the, you know, in the game in terms mm. of politically. Mm. It's probably more about bottom lines for a lot of people mm. than, and, and like I said, being seen to do the right thing. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cause I'm sure there's Christians that work as at, at, at Amazon as well. So, you know, the company in some ways is the sum of its parts and in other ways is really at the discretion of the, the leaders, like the CEO and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, you could argue, well, the CEO of Amazon isn't, isn't necessarily Christian and therefore will push a non-Christian agenda. But, mm-hmm. but like Tim Jolly's article says, like I thought he made a good point when he said, we can't really expect them to, mm-hmm. um, agree with or push material that fits with our standard anyway. Like if our standard is God's standard and that they don't believe in God, then it, in some ways it's, it's a natural thing for them not to want to get that message out to people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the question is, does it become in terms of books and, and what, you know, the function of books in society, like, you know, the fact that reading is a way of gaining information and learning things does, does removing books based on subject matter like that um, become a, a an affront to freedom of speech, essentially? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Or or does it become like, you know, from what I understand of communist China back in the, you know, the revolutionary days when, um, when the revolution happened and they, I'm pretty sure they like burned stacks of books and, mm. um, chairman Mao's, you know, little red handbook was like the, the only thing people were supposed to be reading. And, mm. you know, like, is it that kind of, um, thing that, that we're, we're actually taking away, from, you know, it could it actually backfire, I guess, on Amazon is what I'm thinking that people start to think, well, it's just a book, you know what I mean? <laughs> like you don't mm. agree with it but someone else might want to learn what that perspective is or whatever. And so just removing it could be actually seen as a negative, but I think probably not because of the cultural climate we live in where people get so fired up about that particular issue. If we're still talking about mm-hmm. the sexuality thing, mm-hmm. people people are so quick to label it as hate speech without actually understanding the issue mm-hmm. uh, that it's pretty hard to see why any company would willingly sell something that they actually have been tricked into believing is hate speech, even if it's not, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, no, I, I can't see why Amazon would sell a pro Nazi book, for example. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that would be a good idea for them. And I don't think it would be <laughs> helpful for the world. So I guess I, I, I what wanna, I'm saying as I can see that argument from their side. I kind of want to Google like 
pro-Nazi books, but well, I mean, search on Amazon, but will that like put me on a list or something? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Just to see if they actually do sell or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm curious as well, but I don't want to do that search either. <laughs> well, if any listener is brave enough, <laughs> let us know the results. <laughs> uh, David Latchett will probably just jump on and tell us that Nothing. They can't do anything to you for searching something on Amazon. Like <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll know the ins and outs of how how the law works or something. <laughs> I don't know. I actually, track I, down yeah, people I just that think way. it's a, it's that's a, it's a really strange kind of gets muddy there because it's like which one will be more important to the publishers? You know, the freedom of speech issue or the um or being seen to do what the culture is pushing them to do. But I think, but if you look at past experience, then you'd have to say being seen to do what the culture wants them to do is probably more important to 95% of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, whenever we, you know, that, that concept, um, of doing what the culture wants you to and bottom line and all of that is really descriptive of big companies or chains, um, that they kind of have a lot of overhead and a lot of people, they kind of have to make a lot of people happy, but yeah. You know, there's to, if, if we look at it in a different way of, you know, it's not a, it's not a necessarily happy thought, but, uh, evangelical books, especially in that vein as being like a niche market, then, um, you know, the people who offer to those kind of the, that audience, um, you know, there's, there could, there could be a big market there. If Amazon says, Hey, we're not going to sell these books anymore. And those kind of, you know, independent sellers um, are like, great, let's stock all of these because then lots of people are going to come to our stores. Um, and that's what one one thing I was reading just in looking up this and looking up the state of Christian bookstores and things. Um, it said, it was saying that Christian bookstores aren't dead, that maybe the big chains are dying, um, but there's a ton of indie bookstores out there that aren't chains and they mm. don't have a big overhead that they need to get enough people. They can just run their store and make enough money to survive. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, um, there's a, a good number of churches have bookstores, whether large or small, they just sell books in their mm. church. And um, I thought that was a really good thought and something else that could potentially be done is have um a church that just says, you know, these are books that we really agree with and really think our members would benefit from. Mm -hmm. Here's a small, just a small storefront that could be managed easily with no overhead over the cost of already running the, keeping the building up. Um, yeah. That would get those kind of books out. Two churches that I've been a part of have had book libraries as well, where Mm -hmm. you go and Mm -hmm. like, just even just with a paper form or something, you, you sign a book out on a particular date and then you've got whatever it is, three weeks or something that you're supposed to return it by. Uh, but it's a bit of an honor system. Like just don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't lose the book or don't give it away to someone else. Uh, bring it back to the, where you got it from. Um, but that then enables people from within the church to, or the church itself to stock the library with only books that they, that are sort of in line with the, with that church's theology or statement of beliefs. Um, mm. And then, yeah. And so that's another way of, um, the other good thing about that is it takes up some space at the church, which is a downside, but it, it mm. means that it doesn't take up space in people's houses. <laughs> so people like you and Charlie's who seem to be um, not wanting to have to cut lots of books. I mean, you're a missionary. So if you're moving around mm. all the time, it's just completely impractical. But Charlie's made the comment, he doesn't have a huge house. And so he doesn't have space for wall to wall books in every room. 
Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, people in that in those situations where it's just not practical to buy lots of of books all the time, um, mm-hmm. to have somewhere they can go and still get good material, and mm-hmm. even if it's just on a loan basis, is mm-hmm. is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's a way to set up like. Um, I have no idea on this, but like to set up a digital library that, I mean, I'm sure you couldn't, it wouldn't be as easy as just having a way to share your Kindle books anytime you wanted to. But yeah, I know, I know libraries have digital check-in, check-out. I wonder if anybody's created a system where a church can get digital copies of their books for the purpose of checking out to their members, mm. kind of like libraries do. I don't know. Do you, do you have a, does the library you're, you're part of have um, like that app where that you can download books digitally, check out books digitally? And I guess uh, you wouldn't like be super interested in it. So <laughs> Public library, you mean? Where I go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't been to a public library for years, like for a couple mm-hmm. of years at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I like them. I just never get there. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think they do. I think they have some kind of digital sign out stuff. Another option, I guess, would be to do like, you know, Similar to what David's talking about doing with making material available, but uh, you could have a, like a rather than having a like a, a library online where people go and search anything at any time, which is great mm-hmm. for flexibility. Don't get me wrong; that's that mm-hmm. would be the end goal. But if that was too hard to achieve for the average, you know, <laughs> business person, someone wanting to start up something to make it easier to get stuff into people's hands, um, I'm also wondering if there would be a way to do like a subscription service where you, people pay whatever it is, five, six, seven, eight dollars a month or something. Um, and f- across a three month period, say they, the website unlocks or like, you know, makes three digital books available. Um, mm. and then once that time period elapses and it's on to the next three months, they get swapped out for three other books. So you've got three months to read any of those three books that you want to read. Um, mm. and then after that time, they swap in other. And another rotation of books, um, mm. which would kind of almost be more like a an online book club in that everyone's reading mm. similar things at a similar time. Um, mm-hmm. But it might be a more manageable way than having like hundreds of thousands of books out there in the ether and <laughs> having like a, a borrow at any time from you know any person kind of mm-hmm. system. I would mm-hmm. imagine to build something like that could be quite full on. Mm. In fact, yeah, the, the only the only times I've used something like that is university libraries and they they have a stack of resources behind them. So mm, that's true. Yeah, I was thinking of some like a service that allows churches to purchase books for their own libraries. Mm. You can be a part of it and just get those. But yeah, that does seem pretty crazy. So <laughs> it's just it's just the like everyone there's so many good ideas that probably people come could come up with in this space but the trouble is actually putting them like implementing them i think uh, so many things that we could think of would be like who in your average church is going to have the time the skills <laughs> or the energy to actually keep that running for more than three months you know what i mean mm, <laughs> or to get mm, it up and running if it's something like a digital library with um at on demand sign in sign out like that just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it seems like crazy hard to me um and then nobody in the church would use it <laughs> yeah or, or people use it but the person like i you know this is i said you know i've seen churches with paper book libraries before mm-hmm. and one of them you know it got to the point where the person running it just didn't want to be the person running it anymore because i've been doing it for like three or four years mm-hmm. and no one else was keen to take over so it just mm-hmm. stopped um mm-hmm. or it becomes something that sits in a back room somewhere that people don't really remember is there anyway, and then doesn't get mm-hmm. used. So mm-hmm. 
uh, the best way I've seen it work actually more recently is um, the church I was at before the one that I'm at now when we, we before we moved house um, would have a table when you walked in uh, sort of where just after you'd been through like the welcoming people at the door, uh, they'd have a table with maybe four or five books. It wasn't a huge amount, but it was books that they recommended and often books that sort of had to do with the current teaching series that was going mm-hmm. on, but they'd mm-hmm. been essentially sourced or at least um, screened and approved by the pastor, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was pretty casual. Like you could, you could basically take one if you're a regular mm-hmm. attender, you could take one mm-hmm. even if you didn't have the money for it that week and then just, you know, leave some money in an envelope on the table the following week or whatever. Um, it was like, again, a bit like an honor, honor system. Um, I think the only time I did it, I paid for it up front just cause I didn't want to have to remember the next week mm-hmm, to bring the mm-hmm. cash. But yeah, it was, you know, it was that kind of system where um, the, the church made a small number of books available and then people could, if they were interested or were wanting to read that particular thing, could, could it get it from through that way rather than going somewhere else. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. There's a lot of good ways that the church could do that. Sounds like my church doesn't currently do anything, but <laughs> Maybe they could start. <laughs> well, you're probably about when you go back to Japan, you'll be in a different church setting anyway, won't you? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I, I don't know if I think there's probably enough Christian Japanese books out there, but they're very limited in selection. Do they translate like so? Your mm-hmm. average crossway paperback, like John Piper or something, do they do they translate that into Japanese? There are books translated. I wouldn't say like the average one gets tra- translated. I think okay. it's more people who read a book and then really yeah. like it and are bilingual and then they translate it um, because oh, they okay. want people to have it. And so Does that they mean they're get, like gray market books? <laughs> like they're not, <laughs> I think they, they get like permission to do it. A, a Japanese edition. It's like someone's translated it and they made it available online or something. Uh, I think kind of a mix like that person okay. reaches out to the people and say, Hey, I really loved your book. Could I try train? Could I translating it? I, yeah. I don't, I don't really know. I'm not a translator, but I think, from the books that I've heard get translated, mm-hmm. there's a connection to the person who translated it, the person telling me, like, hey, this person okay. in our church translated uh, Paul Tripp's book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. And, um, oh, cool. There's at least one or two more that were told to me like that. Nice. Uh, there's just really not a market uh, in Japan, sadly. But, mm. but there are Christian bookstores in Japan, so there's enough books out there. It's filled mm. with, like, Bibles and pretty things with crosses on them and stuff, but <laughs> there's pieces of wood with Bible verses on them that you'd never know what people are meant, meant to do with them. Hang them mm. on their wall somewhere at home. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, so yeah, if any, if anybody listening has a favorite online store that they use, um, that they use other than Amazon, or if your church does anything cool, um, or you have anything else to add to the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're still in Slack, so you can go to slack.techreformation.com and tell us about it. You can also head to our website at techreformation.com to search through past shows and topics. And this has been the Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I ain't looking back. No, no, I ain't looking back.